Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast for our Friday episode for week two. Uh, for those of you who are new to the show, or if you've been here previously, uh, either way, I'm your host, Karsten. Welcome to the show. Welcome back. Um, either way, we really appreciate your support on the the podcast. Um, I know I alluded on Wednesday's episode that we'd have Wyatt on today. That was before I kind of uh, got realizing what the schedule looked like for, for both of us. And uh, the timeframes just didn't quite line up, um, especially with me having a, a pretty busy day today. Um, a lot of plans later, uh, actually pretty soon after I finish up uh, today's episode for you. So uh, it won't be today that we'll uh, you know reconnect. We'll get him back on uh, for his normal scheduled Monday show next week. And that's when we'll also do the segment I was talking about on Wednesday that we haven't had a chance to do yet this season that I'm looking forward to. Um, and, uh, you know, next Monday, we'll just have we'll maybe do a little bit more with the segment, um, have a little bit more to talk about. But um, I digress. Let's go ahead and jump right into things. Um, we're we're going to kind of do again with my my plans after the podcast. We're doing hopefully a little bit more of a, um, a succinct podcast episode. So with that being said, let's go ahead and waste no more time and get right into the game summaries and the key news for the last couple of days. Okay, when it comes to our game summaries, um, I'm going to do this a little bit different than what I've done in most days. Um, we're just going to kind of run through Wednesday and Thursday's matchups. I'll talk more at depth in depth about any matchups that stand out to me. Um, we'll start on Wednesday. The Raptors, Toronto Raptors, won big at home against the Milwaukee Bucks, one thirty to one eleven. Your final score. Um, Maybe a tough game overall from Milwaukee. Um, a nice win for Toronto to have under their belts. Um, I'm just curious box score Lillard and Giannis they didn't take a great deal of shots I mean they didn't shoot terribly both got to the free throw line a good chunk um they just didn't score a lot of points um Middleton played yeah just a really an off night and again the the lack of attempts from the two stars is kind of shocking there um Toronto getting a lot more shots shot attempts in general and they shot a tremendous percentage um, as a team, they shot above 55. They were 56% from the, from, uh, from the floor as a team. They were nearly 40% from three-point range. Um, so they shot better percentages. They got more attempts. Um, and when you combine those two things, uh, it's hard to lose, <laughs> no, even if you're playing a, a top team in the East. So, uh, you know, great kudos to the Raptors. You know, they're a team with some, uh, with some moxie, if we can use a, a fun word there. Um, it'll be interesting to watch them and where they kind of end up at the end of the season. They're a team that I felt could be anywhere from a play-in team to one of the lower teams in the East. We'll have to see. It's an interesting mix. And Schroeder, one of the league leaders in assists right now, that's uh, a fun turn there. So uh, that was the first game from Wednesday. Let's talk uh, the Portland Trailblazers winning on the road in Detroit against the Pistons, 110 to 101. Um that nodded both teams up at two and three for their season record so far. Shaden Sharp and Kate Cunningham dueling 
Cunningham with 30 points, five boards, four assists. Sharp with 29, seven boards, and five assists of his own. And Sharp really emerging as he gets more of a, uh, a, a workload opportunity in Portland. He's had some nice games to start the season. Uh, next, New Orleans Pelicans in Oklahoma City against the Thunder. They win that one 110 to 106. Um, CJ McCollum with a big game, 29 points, 11 rebounds. Um, Shagel just Alexander. 20 points, five boards, eight assists, not a bad game. We expect him to maybe score a little bit more, but uh, overall, nice win for the Pelicans. Next, the Cleveland Cavaliers won in New York against the Knicks, 95 to 89, a little bit of a lower scoring game. Uh, but Donovan Mitchell, 30 points, six boards, and four assists, outplaying Jalen Brunson just a bit. Brunson was 24, four and four in that game. Next, the Brooklyn Nets won in Miami against the Heat, 109 to 105. Uh, that loss dropped the Heat to a one and four record to start the season. Definitely a talking point. Maybe we'll have a chance to talk more on that uh, on Monday with our power rankings. Just looking at this game, uh, Bam out of bio, 21 points, 14 boards, three assists. Mikael Bridges with 21 points, seven boards, and five assists. Um, meanwhile, Tyler Hero for the Heat, uh, 30 points, five assists, three boards. Um, Jimmy Butler with 20 points, seven boards as well. Um, not not bad from the stars for Miami, just a little bit better all-round play, I suppose, for Brooklyn to be able to get the win there. Next, this one we'll probably talk about just a touch longer. Uh, the Boston Celtics with the first 150-plus uh, point game for the season from any of the 30 teams. They beat the Indiana Pacers in Boston, 155-104, to 104, um, a route to say the least. I mean... Winning by more than 50 points is remarkable. Um, let's look at the box scores here. For the Pacers, three players in double figures. Um, leading score was TJ McConnell with 18 off the bench. Andrew Nemhard, 14 points. And then Obi Toppin with 11. <clears throat> Excuse me. No Tyrese Halliburton in this game. Um, a factor for some of that. But more, you look at the score for the Celtics. Uh, seven players in double figures, one of them being Jason Tatum with 30 points, 12 boards, four assists, um, well-rounded scoring, tremendous shooting. I mean, they shot 57% from three-point range, Tatum with three three-pointers, Sam Hauser off the bench with five of six. Um, hard to beat that, you know, kind of similar to the uh, the previous game we mentioned, the you know, the Raptors win against the Bucks. You know, tables turned as far as you expect the Celtics to win, but an incredible showcase in this one. Not the the cumulative defensive stats we've been seeing from the Celtics at the start of the season, five steals and two blocks on the game, but still a great all-round win um, and a credit to them. They are one of two teams, last I looked at this, let me make sure I don't incorrectly report this, one of two teams remaining that is that's still undefeated to start the season four and oh at this point as we're recording it the other team in the western conference that's the dallas mavericks four and oh and again that'll certainly be a talking point in our power rankings on monday's episode um next the atlanta hawks won at home against the washington wizards 130 to 121 kuzma for the wizards with 25 nine and six nine boards six assists Dejounte murray 24 points Eight assists, four rebounds, solid game for him. Uh, Minnesota Timberwolves won in Den or one at home against the Denver Nuggets, one ten to eighty nine. Kind of a surprise. Jokic with twenty five points, ten boards, only three assists. Meanwhile, Carl Anthony Towns with twenty one points, 
eight boards and four assists himself. Let's see. We also had Anthony Edwards with 24 points, 17 points for Mike Conley, 12 boards, two blocks for Gobert, 16 off the bench for Nas Reed. Nas Reed emerging as a, a decent scoring threat off the bench, along with his his uh, physical play. Um, you know, the bring, bring a lunch pail inside and work in the paint kind of a thing, you know, but he's, he's been a great player and I've loved to see his continual steady growth. Um, yeah. Great win for them. Next, the Houston Rockets won at home against the Charlotte Hornets, 128 to 119. Uh, Rozier and Van Vliet dueling for both teams. Van Vliet with the upper hand, 22 points, 11 assists. Rozier with 21 points and six assists for the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks won at home against the Chicago Bulls, 114 to 105. Again, that was to help uh, keep them in the undefeated category. Uh, Vucevic with 21 points and 20 boards in this game, but Luka, 18 points, 10 assists, 7 boards. Um, solid all-around game, not the high scoring we're used to to start the season, but still a great game. Uh, next, the Utah Jazz won big at home against the Memphis Grizzlies, 133-109. to uh, Colin Sexton for the Jazz, 23 points, 6 assists, and 3 boards. Jaron Jackson Jr., your reigning defensive player of the year, 19 points, 8 boards, 2 assists. I'll go ahead and comb into that, make sure. Uh, yeah, you did add a block as well. 21 for Desmond Bain, 21 points, that is. Um, Jordan Clarkson with 20 points, 6 boards, 5 assists, 2 steals. Larry Markin, 19 points, 11 boards. Um, 14 off the bench for Kelly Olenek. Solid all-around game for the Jazz there in that victory. Uh, an overtime game. We'll probably want to come into this one a little bit more too. Big one, the Battle of Los Angeles. The Los Angeles Clip, uh, excuse me, Los Angeles Lakers winning as the designated home team uh, against the team they share that arena with, the LA Clippers. Final score, 130 to 125 in overtime. Um Looking at the box score, Clippers led this for most of the game until the Lakers took a lead late in the third. Um, looked like the Lakers might run away with the game towards the end of the fourth quarter. The Clippers fight back, and then uh, Lakers able to hold them off in overtime to secure the victory. For the Clippers, the two stars, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, certainly did not disappoint. Kawhi Leonard with 38 points, six boards, five assists, two steals in this game. Um kind of a quintessential Kawhi stat line. The defense, along with high scoring, we know he can score a bunch and be very efficient when he's locked in. Paul George, 35, six boards, an assist, and two steals. Um, great percentages, even better percentages for him as well. Russell Westbrook, 24 points, 11 boards, eight assists, four steals. I mean, the, the three stars, tremendous. You wonder how they lost some of it. You know, the fact that they lost a lot of the forward depth in the Harden trade and Harden did not play in this game yet. Uh, yet or rather, he hasn't played for the Clippers yet. Didn't play in this game. P.J. Tucker did play off the bench, um, held scoreless, grabbed five boards. Um, just sometimes when you make a trade and you have, you know, players you sent off, but you don't quite have all the pieces back yet. You can play shorthanded even if you have all your stars still. You know, George, Leonard, and Westbrook had a, a stellar game. And, uh, you know, Zubox was all right. Bones Highland starting could have been a little bit better. Four points, five assists, but still um, hard to think you lose that one with those, you know, the George and Leonard performance there and Westbrook solid too. But you look at things for the Lakers, LeBron continuing to show his agelessness, 35 points, 12 boards, seven assists, two blocks and a steal. Tremendous percentages still showing no signs of slowing down. 
and 42 minutes in this game. Meanwhile, Anthony Davis played nearly every minute of this game, 47 and a half minutes, uh, 27 points, 10 boards, four blocks, three assists, and a steal. Those two guys stuffing the stat sheet, rivaling, r- rivaling rather what Kawhi and Paul George did for the, the Clippers. And then D'Angelo Russell, 27 points, six assists, solid third man. Alongside them, you had Austin Reeves, 15 points with seven and seven and three steals, and then 10 points, 11 rebounds for Christian Wood coming off the bench. Uh, Lakers just slightly better, but two teams that played a very well uh, overtime game, close matchup. It's it's exciting to see both of those teams, you know, back at the, you know, near the top of the Western Conference again after those moves were made four or five seasons ago to, to elevate the teams. We've seen it off and on now it's on again. And it's uh, exciting to see a great win for the Lakers there. And then finally a, uh, a game winner situation here in the final game from Wednesday night, the golden state warriors admittedly to my chagrin a little bit, um, one at home against the Sacramento Kings, one Oh two to one Oh one. They're two and against the Kings already this season after ousting the Kings in a, a seven game series in last year's playoffs, Clay Thompson with the game winner, a, a mid range jumper. Uh, this is the third time he's hit a game winner against the Kings, at least um, in his career. Definitely tough for them. And back and forth game, 11 lead changes in this one. Uh, Kings held the largest lead at 11 before the Warriors forced it to a close game in the fourth. And then again, Clay with the game winner uh, in the final seconds. The box score for the Kings, Demonis Sabonis with 23 points, 11 boards, 8 assists, um, 16 off the bench from Malik Monk. Otherwise, the other starters struggled a bit as far as, um, you know, no no uh, De'Aaron Fox in this one. So that was definitely a tough, uh, a tough sell or maybe not a tough sell, but, um, you know, you're going in a little bit hampered not having your all-star point guard in there, but, uh, you know, all-star caliber Harrison Barnes, 14 points, uh, 13 for Davion Mitchell starting with three steals, four assists, three boards, not a terrible game, you know, doing what he can, uh, with his abilities, Kevin Herter with 11 points, nine boards, and then Keegan Murray with 10 points, six boards. Meanwhile, for the Warriors, uh, Stephen Curry leading scorer there, 21 points, five boards, three assists. Neither team really had a, um, a world beater in terms of the points category, but uh, Warriors just a little bit more well-rounded. Fifteen off the bench for Dario Saric. Like to see him get uh, get some run and play some play well for the Warriors there. Fourteen each for the starters: Andrew Wiggins and Clay Thompson. Um, Thirteen with nine assists, two steals, and two blocks for Draymond. Quintessential Draymond stat line there. Draymond Green, and then finally twelve points off the bench for Jonathan Kaminga. Warriors showing plenty of the signs of what of the potential that could make them a force in the West as they have been time and time before. Um, We'll have to see if they can keep that consistent, you know, what Chris Paul will look like in a, uh, you know, bigger sample size. It'll be interesting, but uh, yeah, definitely an action packed Wednesday night. Let's go ahead and jump to Thursday night. Uh, Only four games from Thursday, starting off with the Philadelphia 76ers winning at home against the Toronto Raptors, 114 to 99. Joel Embiid, 28 points, 13 boards, seven assists. Scotty Barnes, 24 points, eight and eight, eight eight rebounds, eight assists. Um, Good game for both those guys and a good win for the Sixers, who are three and one at that point. Uh, the New Orleans Pelicans won at home against the Detroit Pistons, 125 to 116. CJ McCollum, 33 points, four boards, five assists. 
Cade Cunningham for the Pistons, 22 points, 11 assists, and two rebounds. The Pelicans now four and one. They are one of your top three or four teams, maybe even a top two team in the West uh, as far as the standings are concerned at this point. Next, the uh, Utah Jazz lost at home to the Orlando Magic, 115 to 113. Palo Bencaro, the sophomore standout, 30 points, nine boards, and five assists. Clarkson with 21, six and six for the Jazz as uh, the Magic get that win there. And then finally, this is the last game we'll focus on in in more detail. Uh, The last game from the last two days of action, the uh, San Antonio Spurs won again in Phoenix against the Suns, 132 to 121. The difference this time, it wasn't a come from behind shocker. The Spurs um, almost wire to wire. I mean, they didn't ever trail in this game. Um, the game was tied midway through the fourth as the Suns tried to, you know, pull a reverse Uno card, I suppose, on the Spurs. But uh, the Spurs built a lead back up and they held on for the victory. And uh, we'll, we'll start with the Suns first, actually. 31 points and 13 assists with nine boards for Devin Booker as he returns to the lineup. Huge for the Suns to have him back. Durant playing still 28 points, six boards, two blocks. No Bradley Beals still. And you wonder if that's, you know, still in the back of their minds. Well, we're not at full strength, you know, so there's there's a reason there's an excuse. You know, I don't want to claim any of that. I'm, they These guys are professionals. They compete night in, night in and night out. But, uh, you know, it's tough when you don't you're not at full strength. Uh, Grayson Allen with 16 points, four assists, two boards uh, starting. 13 each for Drew Eubanks and Ketabates Diop off the bench. Uh, no points for Josh Okogie, seven points and three boards. Uh, for Yusuf Nurkic, bit of an underwhelming game there for the starting center. Meanwhile, for the Spurs, it was Wemby. You know, it, you're going to have to get used to hearing that he's going to be a name because not a, he's not he's not really a um, a novelty at this point. You know, we knew that he had the potential to be an All Star. There's a reason he was a number one overall pick. The unicorn, you know, the the size and skills, whatever you want to put to it but i myself was not sure if we'd see quite this immediate of return and you know credit to him um i remember last season we didn't really talk much about Wembenyama at all um we mentioned him a, a hand or two a, a time or two rather offhand when we were discussing you know this team falling and they could be a top you know in the running for a top pick in the draft um but i i expressed maybe once or twice some apprehension at the level of hype that was built for Wembenyama simply for his sake of like, Oh, if he comes in and it takes time, you know, I don't want it to be his fault in the sense of the media. Oh, he, he's a bust and we, you know, overrated and, but, but who rated in that highly in the first place. But, you know, at this point that's um, looks a bit silly because he had 38 points, 10 boards, two blocks, a steal and two assists in the win against the Suns. Three of six from three point range, 57% overall from the floor on 26 attempts, five of six from the free throw line. I mean, he, it's, it's great. And he's matched up most of that time with Kevin Durant, who isn't known as a defender, but he's a pretty underrated defender with his length and his, um, you know, he competes defensively. And so extra impressive extra impressive against the Suns team that you know the, the Spurs just beat so the Suns don't want to give up that second game even more so 
standout game for him. Looking at other guys for the Spurs, Zach Collins, 19 points, eight boards, 17 points for Devin Vassell, uh, 14 points, nine assists, five boards for Jeremy Sohan, the uh, the point guard, if you will, off the bench. Jetty Osmond to 13 points and then 12 points, 10 assists for Trey Jones. Um, yeah, wire to wire victory. Zach Collins and Devin Vassell hit each of their uh, three point attempts, all, all three of those three point attempts, rather. Both of them three for three from three point range. Um, yeah, stellar win for the Spurs. And uh, now you wonder if it's the time to elevate expectations for the Spurs. Um, but I won't go that far yet because it's, again, a handful of games into the season. We won't overreact too much. But again, maybe we'll talk about that on Monday a bit with power rankings as well as the other segment we haven't had a chance to do yet. Um, I'm being vague for the purpose of trying to build a little bit of hype, but uh, should be good. Um, But yeah, great game, great win for the Spurs. And that concludes our game summaries from the last couple of nights of action. Um, With that, let's go ahead and talk key news real quick. only a couple of items. Firstly, for the Dallas Mavericks, head coach Jason Kidd is going to miss uh, tonight's in-season tournament opener in Denver against the Nuggets with a non-COVID-related illness. Uh, so definitely wishing him the best as he recovers from that. Um, and a couple of NBA-specific items, the 2023-2024 to 2024 Nike City Edition uniforms, or this season City Edition uniforms, uh, were officially unveiled of course, they had all kind of leaked anyways. If you haven't seen them, you can check them out on probably the, the NBA website. You can Google them. Um, a lot of underwhelming designs. Fortunately for me as a Jazz fan, who the Jazz, their current uniform set is not that great. Their city uniform, I think, is quite excellent. So that was exciting for me to see. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully your team got got a good uniform or if they not got a not great uniform, maybe it'll grow on you. Who knows? But uh, we'll wrap up the key news with a quick note on um, a, a sad loss. Uh, former NBA All-Star Walter Davis, uh, most notable for his uh, time with the Phoenix Suns, uh, a great scorer, a great guard in general. Uh, he passed away yesterday at the age of 69. We want to wish him, uh, his family, uh, the, the, the Phoenix Suns, the NBA family as a whole, um, kind of the the best at this time um tough loss you know again a a great player uh in his day um and an underrated player forgotten player um the Suns, i think at the time that he played with them were were good to average to not that great you know a little bit of off and on in seasons Um, but he was consistent for for a good amount of seasons as a standout guard and a scorer and he was a unc great uh, University of North Carolina, one of one of many players from that university who have had tremendous NBA success. So again, uh, tough loss there. Sad to see him uh, see him go. Uh, that's it for our key news. Uh, again, not a ton of items there. Before we get into our franchise focus, though, I wanted to quickly highlight uh, since tonight is the opener of the in in season tournament. Um, a quick recap, what to expect going into that one. Um, of course, by the time you're listening to this, the games are probably underway or it's already been the end of that first night of action. But of course, this in-season tournament is focused on keeping regular season games intact while adding only one extra game in the championship game. So how that works is all 30 teams have been drawn into uh 
six different groups, three per conference, uh, and those are groups of five teams. So it's similar to the current divisions you have in each conference, but these are based on record. And so they'll fluctuate with every year and every in-season tournament. Um, so each group should have a fairly even mix of uh, the highest caliber teams, the mid-level teams, and the low-level teams uh, in terms of record and uh, competitive level, I suppose. Um, during this month of November, starting again with today's game, so it'll be every Tuesday and Friday, uh, every game that's on a Tuesday or a Friday will be part of the in-season tournament and it'll be part of group play. The teams in, uh, no matter what group you're in, you, your team will play against all the other uh, teams in that group. And uh, I think it's four games you'll play. And uh, the at the end of the month of November, the records from group play will be taken into uh, consideration to form the teams for the knockout rounds or the actual tournament itself. Um, there will be six teams that are comprised of the best team record-wise in each um, in each group. And then there'll be one wild card in each conference uh, with the best remaining record, kind of your wild card there. Um, so you'll have eight teams total. They'll advance to the knockout rounds, and these will be single elimination games. Uh, the quarterfinal will be in, uh, you know, it'll be home court probably for the team with the best record. Um, it'll be Monday and Tuesday, uh, December 4th and 5th. And then the semifinals and championships will take place in Las Vegas at T-Mobile Arena. Um, I believe T-Mobile Arena. Yeah. Um, and only the championship doesn't count towards regular season games. So you're not really adding any workload. You're just adding some intrigue. That's kind of the main goal of this. Um, if you're curious about your group, you can find the specific list of groups um, readily available on the NBA website. Um yeah, knockout rounds. As far as surprising and league honors are concerned, there will be an in-season tournament team or an all-tournament team, rather. There'll also be a most valuable player of the tournament. And then lastly, there will be monetary rewards. And if you're wondering what the player's incentive is to try and win or be competitive in this tournament, that maybe is the best answer at this point if you have players that are skeptical about it. Um, if you are on the championship the the winning team of the in-season tournament you win the nba cup if you're a player or the head coach you will get five hundred thousand dollars um if you're the runner-up in that uh tournament championship game you will get two hundred thousand dollars if you lose in the semifinal you'll get a hundred thousand and if you lose in the quarterfinal you'll you'll get fifty thousand so even making the tournament you'll get a nice chunk of change um and uh, if you if you win the tournament, you'll get half a million dollars. So I think that could be a very solid incentive, you know, even if you're already making uh, tens of millions a year, uh, half a million is still a decent chunk of change. So uh, I don't know. That could be all the reason you need, at least in the first year or two, to get players competing and, and excited about the concept. So I'm excited about it. We'll also see the the city uniforms, the special in-season tournament courts that match the uniforms. It's going to be wild. It's going to be a spectacle. They're going to make this a show. Um, they're running ads that uh, because the cha championships in Vegas, they're talking about, you know, the high stakes and they're, they have players in the, in the casino as part of the, the imagery for the commercial. 
Um, I've been skeptical, but uh, I want to be open to it. I want to see, especially where it's not really going to impact the regular season much at all. And it just adds some, some, some rewards and some, some intrigue. Why not? Let's see what they, uh, what it turns out like, what the championship uh, game is, who ends up winning it. Um, Maybe this could be some fun stories. You know, it's a chance for players to emerge, to showcase, maybe you have a team that isn't going to necessarily make the playoffs based on regular season record, but they have a great stretch in November. They pull, pull together some wins, they make the tournament, and then there's a Cinderella run. You know, if you can add that element to an otherwise very uh, more more often than not efficient NBA playoffs that is, you know, very good at making sure the best team most times wins the championship. If you can add a Cinderella element to an in-season situation, uh, I think that could be a lot of fun. So again, those games start tonight. By the time you're listening to this, they've probably already concluded, but uh, we'll certainly have a lot to talk about with that on Monday. So uh, very exciting stuff. That being said, let's go ahead and shift focus and uh, move to uh, a different kind of focus, our franchise focus uh, starting now. Franchise focus. Okay, here we go with our franchise focus. And this week, again, we're going alphabetical by uh, team city. We started last week with the Atlanta Hawks. This week, we're going to go with the Boston Celtics, the, uh, the, legacy team of the nba the one of the great franchises in professional american professional sports 17 championships of course 60 playoff appearances in uh, 78 seasons one of the best winning percentages maybe the best um in all of the nba some of the greatest players of all time you know it goes without saying um and you know you can say much of the same in a, a smaller sense perhaps of the team's current direction, of course, which is where we're going to start with our franchise focus segment. You know, you look at the recent history of the Boston Celtics, they are right back in the tier that you would expect them in. uh, And that is competing for Eastern conference titles for finals appearances and for championships. They're right there in that mix, you know, over the last four or five seasons and even more, They've been one of the top teams in the East, bar none. Um, and over the last four or five seasons, well, especially three or four seasons, that really comes down to it starts with Jason Tatum. You know, I'm he's been the uh the catalyst for this team. He's the star. To me, I think the best comp, and it's an easy comp, but uh, but Paul Pierce. You know, he he has a lot of, to me at least, the Paul Pierce in his game. He's a little bit better three-point shooter, a little more pure three-point shooter, but he's he's a scorer, but he does a lot of other things kind of underappreciated. You know, he, he'll he work hard defensively if, even if he's not a standout defender. Uh, he's got great size, so he'll grab boards, and he can work within the offense. He'll he'll distribute the ball, uh, find the open guy as well. So, so he's a great player, of course. Jalen Brown, a a overqualified co-star um, you can even think, you know, Ray Allen, when he was first joining the Celtics uh, still sort of in his prime Jalen Brown, of course, in his prime, probably at this moment. Um, 
those two are the the main focal points and you can't it's hard to do much better than that but they've continued to be aggressive and that was a big storyline of course this last offseason in the acquisition of two big players to shake up their starting lineup drew holiday and Kristaps porzingis porzingis the uh the above seven footer with the three-point range the the defense the athleticism in terms of a lob threat you know he does a lot of different things that have so far been very exciting for the celtics and then drew holiday of course consummate professional uh teammate of the year um sportsmanship awards all those kind of things but more importantly a great player in his own right defensively he'll get some open baskets he'll he'll run an offense He'll be physical. He's got great size. He can grab boards. He can do a bit of everything at that point guard spot. Alongside him, they're starting Derek White. I think that's a good fit, uh, a good two-way guard. So that means Al Horford coming off the bench. Uh, less minutes, I think he can that's, – that's great for him at his age to help make sure he's able to continue his production just in a bench role. Peyton Pritchard getting more run at the point guard. Sam Hauser has emerged as a great three-point threat. And then they have uh, some serviceable guys after that. O'Shea Brissett as a forward who can who can be physical, rebound, good size. Um, Luke Cornett, uh, a bigger uh, you know, forward or center, but he can he can hit some jumpers. Uh Sviatoslav Mikhailuk, um, the the shooter. Struggling to find the tremendous shooting touch, but he's not going to get very minutes, very many minutes, anyways. Lamar Stevens, I like that acquisition for the deep, uh, you know, the reserve kind of center power forward type spot. You know, I think that's if you have one concern about the Celtics this season, it's depth at the front court spot and the size there. Cornette can do all right, but um, you know, that's a team right now. And again, championship is the goal. I don't think they should be striving for any less and especially with a finals appearance last uh two seasons ago and conference finals appearance uh three times over the last four seasons um they're right there they're right on the precipice they're staying aggressive they have a team that is very much capable of doing that they've started the season undefeated at 4-0 um there's really not much more to say, even with some head coaching turnover. Um, they've worked right through that because Tatum has maintained a great level of play. Brown has maintained that play. And uh, Brad Stevens now as the uh, executive rather than coach keeps making moves that seem to be the right moves at the right time or close to it. And uh, they've got a, a shot to compete for it, you know, and uh, that's really all you can say, I suppose, um, you know, I think it'll just be exciting to see uh, to watch this team all season and see what they are able to do come playoffs. Cause you know, the regular season at this point, it's expected they'll finish with a, a fairly solid at the very least, a fairly solid regular season record. So now it's what do they do to make sure they're best situated for the playoffs and what comes at that point? And also what, what can you find as far as bench production and, uh, you know, increased roles or things of that nature, maintaining play, those kind of things. It's more about maintenance in some senses, but uh, regardless, yeah, they're in a great position. Um, And as far as our historic team, our next leg of our franchise focus, I want to go way back. Um, Of course, we try and pick a broad spectrum of of eras and teams in our franchise focus. We're going to go way back to the 1952, the 1953 NBA season, 
those Boston Celtics who had that they set a franchise record for wins in a season with 46. They were 46 and 25 at that point in the NBA's history. They played a much shorter schedule that year. It looks like they played 71 games. Um, and uh, I, I won't say, say too much about this team just because I was looking for maybe some bigger talking points. There wasn't a lot of resources. Um, I can talk you through the lineup and it starts with Bob Cousy, of course, a pioneer in his era. Um, the Wizard of Worcester, I think that's a nickname that he had. Let me make sure I'm not. Uh, Houdini of the hard, Hardwood. Um, I, I want to say it was Kevin McHale that I heard that one from on some interview or something. Um, but uh, yeah, an MVP, maybe the first point guard in kind of the way we think about it. Um, running the show, the passing, the ball handling, all those kind of things. Um, one of the leading scorers as well, along with Ed McCauley um, or McAuley. Uh, no, McCauley. Yeah. Um, Easy Ed. He was the the Bill Russell before Bill Russell, but a much different player. Um, you know, a scorer and a good rebounder inside. He was uh, one of the great players of the 50s a seven-time All-Star in seven consecutive seasons. Uh, those are your stars. And then Bill Sharman, an All-Star himself, uh, the third leading scorer. He was a eight-time All-Star. He was also one of the great players of the 50s. You know, they. you think about uh, the, the super teams as we have them now. This is a super team that was drafted by the Celtics for the most part or acquired by the Celtics before they were stars. In the case of Bill Sharman, he had his first season. He played with the Washington Capitals. Um, the team after Red Auerbach coached the Capitals, um, before Auerbach coached the Celtics. Um, but he got a start in in Washington for a season before joining the Celtics and breaking out as a star, one of the stars of his era. You know, 16 points a game doesn't sound that crazy to us now, but at the time that was more like 25 points a game. Um, so those three you know, your, your fab, your, your tremendous trio, whatever you want to call them. Um, and then you get to your, your bench and you have Chuck Cooper is probably the big standout here. Um, more, I mean, he was a solid pro, but more in terms of his, um, his impact being one of those three players we've talked about, actually, I think in an earlier episode, just this season, um, Sweetwater Clifton, and um, uh, there's one more, one more player. That's a bad look to forget his name. Um, he was uh, Earl Lloyd. Uh, those three guys were the uh, the three kind of entered the league at the same time. Uh, first African American players breaking down racial barriers like they did was was a, a huge legacy. But again, a solid pro in his own right. Um, his best seasons, kind of averaging stats that in today's terms would be sort of like you know. 13, 14 points a game and 10 or 11 rebounds a game, you know, great, great production off the bench from him. Uh, and then you have a lot of names that play, you know, I don't expect people to know because I don't know them that well myself, Bob Harris, Bob Branham, Bob Donham, three Bobs, Gene Conley, John Monken, uh, Kenny Rollins, Mo Mahoney and Cleggie Hermson. I mean, you got to love the names, but uh, again, it really starts with those three stars and what Boston was able to build up to this point. Red Auerbach was the coach and the GM. Um, they were third in the Eastern division, which we now know as the Eastern conference. Um, 
won their first round series to move on to the division finals, essentially the conference finals against the New York Knicks. They lost that series one to three. Um, And there's not much more to say about the team, but I think it's just fun to look at, you know, from our lens now, it's like, oh, that was a competitive Celtics team, you know, but this was the precursor to what the Celtics would become. You know, this was just a couple of seasons before they acquired or they drafted Bill Russell. You know, this was they were in a a championship contending window. Then they started to drop off and wins a touch over the next few years. Then they draft Bill Russell. And then before you know it, they've won 11 championships in 13 years. So I think it's fun to look at, you know, a team that was close, that had the right coach, that had some of the, the right players. You know, they were still acquiring a lot of the depth. You know, the next season, I want to say they probably got, let's see. Oh, the next season they had Ed Mikan on their roster, brother of George. Uh, they had Jack Nichols, who I think was a, uh, yeah, he's a rotation player on their first championship team. So that was a, a an important piece. The following season, the 55 season, they got Frank Ramsey, who was a, a big piece of the championships, the early championships as well. Um, Fred Scolari was a, a good pro at that time as well. Um, then the year after that, who did they get? They picked up um, Arnie Risen, Stilts Risen as a center, and then Jim Loskadov or, or Lasky. Um, so they were just continually acquiring players that would help be the factor for the championship years. And then they got Bill Russell and that kind of broke the floodgates open. Um, but fun to, to think about that team for just a moment and some of the key players on it. Uh, finally, we'll end off with our, our key, our notable player, a great player for the franchise. And that's going to be John Havlicek Hondo. Um, and, you know, he could be argued and this is going to sound outlandish for a franchise that has had Bill Russell, Larry Bird, um, and both of those guys play for it. But Havlicek, you could make a real dark horse case and you might be laughed out of the room, but his resume compared to to Bird and to Russell, it holds up not terribly. I mean, he he's very he's pretty close in legacy as far as resume and accomplishments of his career i mean he's a hall of famer of course but he's a third time all 13 time all-star 11 time all nba eight time all defensive so you start with that he was a two-way standout played both sides of the ball very well um eight time nba champion some of those of course with bill russell as the sixth man of the celtics at that time but he also won three championships as one of the stars in the seventies alongside Dave Cowens and Jojo white. Admittedly, those 70 Celtics teams were pretty stacked as well, but uh, you know, all rookie teamer, he was the finals MVP in 1974. So on those stacked Celtics teams, one of those championship teams in the seventies, he was the MVP of the finals and he was a part of the NBA 75th anniversary team. Um, and he also just happens to have the most points scored for a career in Celtics history. Played his whole career with the Celtics. Um, 1,270 games. Averaged 36 minutes a game. You, you factor the early years where he was a sixth man. Um, his prime, you know, let's say you take 67 through 74. So we're talking eight seasons at either a shooting guard or a small forward spot. 
averaging just about 24 points a game, seven boards, six assists. Um, the last season of that eight year to run was the first year they started tracking steals and blocks that year. He got 1.3 steals and uh, 0.4 blocks at that point on the downturn. He was 33 years old. You imagine in his prime, maybe picking up a little bit more steals, a little more blocks. Um, just incredible. And he was durable too. I mean, he was not quite consistent Ironman status to the, the you know point of, of breaking an AC green type record, but in his um, how many seasons are we talking here? 16, 16 seasons. Yes. 16 seasons. How many games did he average? Should we pull up a, a calculator to make sure we get this correct? Let's do that. So over a 16 season career, he averaged 79 games per season. So nearly a full slate of games every year. And let's actually make sure we get that accurate because the first five years of his career, uh, well, the first four, they played 80 games in a season. And then the fifth, they played 81 games that season. Um, in, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight of his 16 seasons, he played every game of the year uh, or every game of that season. Durable, uh, underrated. And then you look at his playoff stats. Let's look at uh, 67 through 74. Three championships in that span. Uh, one of those, the finals MVP year without Bill Russell, with with Cowens rather. And his averages in those six years playoffs, 26 points a game, eight boards, six assists, and the same kind of steals and blocks that we were looking at. Just a, a, a standout. And the percentages aren't as great. You know, people are going to maybe, oh, we shot like 45%. I mean, not great percentages, but um, – He's a legend. And I, I want to, on a closing note, kind of take umbrage with something I've seen as a, a meme. You know, people compare the, the career stats of, of Havlicek to Michael Jordan. And it's like, oh, well, you know, Havlicek has more. He, he was 8-0 uh, in the finals or, um, you know, he, he has this the same kind of all NBA numbers, all, all-star numbers, uh, stat line, you know. And it's, oh, it's a meme because Havlicek isn't in that conversation. And I'll say, yeah, Havlicek is not as great of a player as Michael Jordan. I think that's a given. But why do we have to, you know, make a meme and put down one of the all-time greats just because he played in an era we don't know that much about as, you know, the casual fan who put the meme together to try and lift up Michael Jordan's career or to, or to even rag on Michael Jordan to say, Oh, well, he, you know, doesn't have the stats compared to in this person's mind, uh, this nobody from who, you know, this era, the sixties and seventies anyways, and it's a problem. I think with some of the NBA fans out there, I think, you know, regardless of that, a great player and, uh, certainly a great franchise. And, uh, a little bit of a different format there, but that takes care of our franchise focus for today. Um, let's real quick jump into our fantasy Fridays. It'll be a, a, just a few minutes, but we'll see uh, what we get what we can get up to there.
Okay, I will say, as far as the, my fantasy team is concerned, um, I'm not off to that hot of a start. Some of that has to do with my uh, failure to properly update lineups. So uh, that's on me for sure. Uh, I've been getting better at it. I think two of the last three days I did update my lineups to make sure uh, all my players that were playing started. Um, let's just take a quick look at some of the, the player moves. We have one team that's really active um, and getting the most mileage out of fantasy uh, sports, I suppose, uh, adding and dropping players. Um, their most recent move, they added Shaden Sharp and dropped Asar Thompson. Probably a solid move. I think Sharp has has had some great games. Asar Thompson should still be good, but um, we've also had uh, ooh, RJ Barrett was dropped, so he's available. Um, and then the most recent move from today, earlier today, uh, one of our teams, they dropped Jordan Clarkson and added Tyus Jones. Interesting moves there. Um, as far as just some quick picks from my, again, uneducated perspective, my non-fantasy uh, versed perspective, some players that just had some great, you know, increase in performance. And we're comparing this to last season, uh, a riser. We're going to pick Tyler Hero. Uh, compared to last year's stats, he's up six points per game. Uh, he's got better three-point percentages, and he's playing more minutes. Uh, he's averaging about 26 points a game at this point in the season, so he's looked great. Um, a faller, I would pick Jordan Poole. His points per game are down, even though his minutes are probably up, um, and his percentages both from three and the floor in general are down uh, decently, especially from three. They're down nearly 10%. So that's a bit rough to uh, to have there. And then a sleeper pick, maybe not as big of a sleeper, but Jalen Duran, um, his scoring, his rebounding, and his blocks are all up in very nice uh, nice chunks. About six more points a game, uh, about three more rebounds per game, and about a block more per game. He's looked great, you know, and I think I, I want to say that I said last season, I don't get why they made the James Wiseman trade when they have Duran, who has plenty of promise. I'd like to see him so far this season really pulling through or showing on that promise. It's very, uh, it's very exciting. So that's a real quick, you know, couple of minutes for the fantasy Fridays. Um, I think next week we'll try and do a little bit more with our fantasy Fridays segment. But uh, that being said uh, again, it's only been another week or so. We don't have a lot to check on it, check in on with our predictions. So I'll just give you a quick rundown of the upcoming games for uh, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, and then uh, go ahead and wrap things up and get you to the weekend. So uh, tomorrow, after tonight's, of course, in-season tournament games, tomorrow you've got, uh, looks like eight or nine games. Let me double-check that. Eight games. You have uh, only one national broadcast. The Denver Nuggets will host the Chicago Bulls um, at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on NBA TV. Nuggets, you have to think are favoring that, but it could be interesting. Uh, Chicago has plenty of uh, players and talent to maybe try and make a, a game of that one. And they had some preseason matches that were exciting too, so that should be worth watching. Other games to consider on League Pass at 1 o'clock on Eastern Standard Time. That's your matinee for tomorrow. The Philadelphia 76ers host the Phoenix Suns. Durant versus Embiid, that should be a great one. Um, otherwise, uh, you have... Probably the other game to watch for the New Orleans Pelicans hosting the Atlanta Hawks. Um, the, the two close regional teams 
even though they're in completely different conferences, um, you know, Trey Young versus CJ McCollum, Zion versus uh, DeJounte Murray, I suppose, you know, it's it, that one should be very exciting as well. Those are a couple of your Saturday games. Uh, looking at Sunday, you have five games on Sunday and uh, no national broadcast. Everything's league pass. Um, standout games, I think you'd probably go with uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers hosting the Golden State Warriors. Warriors and Stephen Curry in particular have been very exciting to watch, as is usually the case. 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, um, a rematch of, of course, the the dynasties of the late 2010s that uh, we thought we'd never see the end of those finals. And then looking at Monday's games, we have 12 games on Monday. National broadcast, we have an NBA TV, uh, just one NBA TV game. At 7.30 Eastern Standard Time, the Miami Heat hosts the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, it should be interesting, especially with Miami's struggles. Uh, the Lakers have looked solid. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what Miami can do against a, a stout team such as that. Other games to consider, um, probably uh, the New York Knicks hosting the LA Clippers. That could potentially be James Harden's debut, depending on how that all works out. So uh, that could be worth watching, especially with the Clippers and the Knicks being his two reportedly preferred destinations um, in a trade when that first broke. And then um, also a sneaky good game here, league pass nine o'clock Eastern standard time, the Denver Nuggets hosting the new Orleans Pelicans four and one are, is the record for both of those teams uh, two of the best teams in the West at this moment in the season. So that should be a great one, but otherwise, yeah, a lot of exciting games and tonight, especially the opening of the in-season tournament, um, a lot to be excited about. So we'll go ahead and wrap things up with our This Day in History fact for you. We're going back to 1989 for this one. Um, November 3rd of 1989, Serenus Marshall and Alexander Volkov became the first players from the Soviet Union to participate in a regular season NBA game. Marshall scored 19 points as Golden State lost to Phoenix 136 to 106, and Volkov was held scoreless as Atlanta lost to Indiana 126 to 103. As a side note, we'll also mention the players that made their debuts on this day in history. Uh, we're talking Dolph Shays, Neil Johnston, Cliff Hagen, Gary Payton, Kevin Garnett, Kobe Bryant, and Dwight Howard. Uh, with that, I think that takes care of about everything. Thank you all again for listening. We really appreciate it. We'll be back on Monday for our normal Monday show, and uh, we'll see you then. Thanks again.